Welcome to another episode of Opinionated Off Topic. Today, I'm with my co-host, Carlos Mojica, and my homie, Shoney Jackson. Also, quick announcement. If you guys haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe on all platforms. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, raise a five-star. Do all that stuff. Help us get the algorithm. And yeah, without further ado, we're going to jump right in this podcast. Like Carlos, you know, started off as always, how he always starts it off. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. So, so just remember the way he's chopped. Why? I got a haircut on I know, you're looking smooth, dude. You don't got the lamb chops on your yeah, face. I was <laughs> looking bummy. Um, I get rolling. I got 945 appointment. East Austin. Jeez. Jeez. Busy guy. Busy, busy guy. Yeah. Um, Perfect. We'll, we'll jump right into it. Tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself, where you come from, a little backstory. You no know? problem. I'm Shoney Jackson. I was raised in Georgetown, Texas. Um, first and foremost, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that's very important to me, and I love people. Those are the two most things I value most in my life and my family. Um, I love sports. I'm at Cam training at Sacrifice Training with Bryson Tucker. Shout out Bryson. Shout out Bryson. And Beat then uh, I'm a part owner in a rideshare platform called Rides, W-R-I-D-Z. We'll get into that, what we do, what makes us differently and whatnot. But go download our platform on all apps, um, I mean all phones, Androids, iPhones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, that's what we're here for. Let's get it. Yes, sir. Let's get it. Well, before rides, before everything else, um, just kind of start us off about uh, more go more in depth about your upbringing, like your childhood. Like, how was that? Yeah, man, I had a great upbringing. I had great parents, great family, great coaches and mentors in my life. Um, really grew up in a great area in Georgetown. Played football, baseball, a little bit of boxing. Um, and essentially through that, that really built me, cultured me, and uh, – let me down that path of just like my passion for people and that could really i mean you know i can go on all day about that but in general i think that we all matter i think that we're all here for a reason i think that everybody in the room should always be acknowledged um so i don't really know you can ask me some questions i don't want yeah. to talk too much yeah. about myself but yeah and this yeah, was that's essentially though, my yeah. background georgetown <laughs> texas for, for yeah. yeah 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 georgetown um, texas shoney jackson sports so people did, did, and when you were training with Cam and whatnot, were you were you still playing all the sports? Or was it just yeah, I was football? playing football. We were football. seniors, so we were seniors. Um, what position I kinda, did you play? I played safety and corner. I was a DB. So we were. I was with Cam like twice a week. We really hit it off. We became boys, and then through that, um, I really learned so much outside of football, just how to attack your everyday job, how to attack it when there's adversity, how to get up every single day and punch that clock even when you don't want to. Um, Learned a lot of that with Bryson. We went through a lot of adversity together, good and bad. You know, I think adversity is a great thing. I think at the other end of that, there's always a purpose behind that curtain. And so I yeah. think that, you know, through those days of training and playing and the ups, the high highs, and the low lows, it really shaped me into the man that I am today and us. And I think just what we believe in, and that's why I'm here. I want to support y'all's podcast just the way y'all are supporting me. And uh, I think that. You know, through the journey in life, through the people you meet, it can mold you or it can break you. And I think that, you know, we're all here to mold each other. And that's what I look forward to doing every single day of my life, more so than just accomplishing things in sports or accomplishing things in the corporate world, if you will. Um, I want to accomplish things with people and change the world around me while I'm here for a short period of time. And it's kind of what this is for. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. we bring on, it's just a platform to for them, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean sure like we can have on the biggest person or nobody but mm-hmm. we care about just yeah the guests and what they what letting them get out what they want to get out right 
Right. It's day by day, and that's great. And I think we live in a society where we got all these platforms, and, you know, I think a lot of times they're looked at to be toxic. They're looked at to be negative, and they can make you feel negative. But I think that uh, through with the opportunity we could use it for good it could be very good you can connect with anybody you could tell your story to anybody and your story matters and you don't know what someone else is going through out there and so when they hear you and they hear the struggle that you're going through or vice versa the struggle you came through and the other end that you're at now to succeed i think it could change a lot and so i think that the opportunity you guys have with the opinionated podcast and the platform that y'all created it could really explode um not just for yourself financially or whatever it is that y'all shoot to aim for but it could explode in just the world around you and the people around you and how you're going to affect them by having them on here and giving that opportunity and i appreciate that a lot yeah absolutely bro and uh just just kind of mean you were in the same boat you know when we were training and stuff together in high school especially the latter latter years when we were both seniors done playing we both kind of didn't know where we were going to go college wise Mm -hmm. so that's really when we got close is because it's a very scary thing, you know. You've been playing football your whole life, and you don't have a set home, and you're just like, where am I going to go? Right. You know, you're still busting your ass day to day. Right. Going through the whole recruiting process. Like, right. we're both, like, uh, like you're a little, you're bigger than me in high school, but just we just were a little undersized, yeah, vegetables, late, whatever late the case was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, just, just kind of going through it. Um, I guess talk to me about uh, what your journey was. I'm not really too familiar. I know you – yeah, went up to a school and then came back. But yeah, talk yeah, to you yeah. about that. I was gonna ask you, you so ball. we, uh, I got on with Bryce after my senior year had already ended. Um, we began to train, and that was when my recruitment began to pick up a little bit. Um, and so I wanted to play at the highest level possible. Like I said, I grew late, so my forty time had sprung up tremendously. I was, you know, training with kids that were going to play at Power 5 programs and not only hanging with them, I was rolling with, you know, I was doing good. And so I had, you know, the highest dreams. And probably, you know, just like anybody, you dream your whole life. You grow up in the state of Texas. You grow up watching football and the Cowboys and all that stuff. And that's all you ever think about. That's all you ever know. I wasn't, you know, there's that old saying. I think Riff Raff said it, we quit school for recess. So it's like <laughs> I, I was I was like, I, was, I didn't care about anything other than sports. It was yeah. football. And so on that side of things, when we had begin to train and things were looking – blurry if you will of like what I was going to do like he said Cam and I connected and Bryce connected because Bryson at the time was actually just came back from the Canadian Football yeah. League he hadn't shut the door all the way on playing so we had this connection of just we're waking up every single day training two hours a day you know I was coming back at night and then we were talking and he was meal prepping for me and doing all this stuff to where Bryce really became a father figure in my life although I have a great father Bryce became a father figure in my life and a huge mentor, and he was mentoring us and molding us at a very important time in our life where, like he said, 18 years old, super impressionable. Um, you got all these dreams, but, you know, you become real insecure. You could become frustrated and yeah. start to doubt yourself. And I think through that time, being able to witness Bryson going through that literally himself, but also showing up. I used to wake him up in the morning when I got to the facility because he would sleep there. Yeah. I used to wake him up, and he'd start training me, and he wouldn't be done until, like, 11 o'clock at night. And now you see his facility now and where it's come from. So I saw what it what it does, just commitment to your dreams, commitment to your goals, commitment to the life that you committed to, and his commitment to his wife and his family and how all of that manifested into what it is today. I think that that was able to shape us during that season. And so at that time, I actually went up. I played a little JUCO football up in North Dakota. um, And I came home after that first season. 
and I was training with Bryson again. And I was kind of going through this mental thing of like, you know, where am I going to go? I'm not going back there. Um, I need to be down south, and I'm either going to play at this level or I'm not. And as time went on through that off season, I kind of realized that wasn't going to happen. And uh, I continued to train with them just for the reason I enjoyed it. Uh, I wanted my body to stay in good shape. Um, made me feel better about myself. But through that, the relationships I built, um, training with him, relationships I built through church, like I said about my faith and the sanctuary, if you will, I was able to get an opportunity on a real estate team called the Heil Group out in Westlake. Um, I was probably 21 years old at the time. And I worked with them for two and a half, three years. I walked into that interview, the name a man by the name of Andrew Cavazos, and he essentially told me when the interview was over, look, I gave you an interview because your friend that works for me has a lot of respect for me, and I just was going to honor him and give you that interview. You did so well in this interview, I'm going to give you a chance. You'll have six weeks. I'll know in six weeks if you can do this or not. Worked for him for two and a half years. Um, that gave me an opportunity. COVID hit, kind of blew up the whole scene. It didn't hurt real estate, but it hurt a lot of people involved in real estate. Um, and so we had lost a lot of accounts. I kind of went into the sales side of things and became like a sales trainer, if you will, because it was more consistency. I was kind of done with the weekends, the everyday struggle that real estate is. Uh, you know, I, going back to my love for people, it took away a lot for me of just connecting with people and being around my people all the time. So I wanted something more consistent. I became a sales trainer Well, the COVID world hit and uh, we lost a lot of accounts. A lot of people lost their jobs overnight. That kind of shook me up. So I kind of wanted to take a step outside of that, um, and I ended up working and consulting with a team out of South Carolina for like two months last summer. As that was going on, we were building this rideshare platform. My cousin had been working on it for close to five years. He's the founder. His name's Steve Wright, and um, we had had a lot of owners come in and invest, if you will, and yet they're not investors. They're owners of the cities that they own. Think of it like a franchise Every individual owner, they set their price for their subscription. We're a subscription-based platform. Um, we charge you a subscription per month to drive for us. And outside of that, you make 100% of your fares, fees, and tips. We don't touch a dollar that comes to you um, from the rider. Your first month is free, so you'll pay the subscription because it's going to pay for itself. I can show you guys a graphic of the three rides I took in Austin a few weeks ago. It came out to a total of like $140 after tips. That's three rides your subscription's paid for. The rest is cake the rest of the month. Um, on top of that, on the rider side, we're safer. We drug test for amphetamines, and we background check every single driver that we have. The other guys, our competitors, I won't say them by name. They don't do stuff like that. Um, <laughs> our drivers are 100% insured by us, and we're a software platform. Think of it like Bumble, if you will, for riders and drivers to get connected and ride together. We're up to 10% cheaper in Uber and Lyft, and we never price surge. If you're at, you go to ACL and your Uber to ACL was $40 there, it's going to be $40 back to the house. Um, we have a calling card system. It flashes the rides logo through the windshield with a number. So you know how it is when you're downtown or you're anywhere and it's hard to find your ride and it'll cancel over and over again or somebody will steal it, whatever it is. Can't steal it because there's going to be a flashing number that's going to be your number, say the number 37 hypothetically. Then you're going to walk up. There's going to be a barcode that you scan on the on the windshield. It'll show your dri driver's face and confirm your ride. So we've taken steps that others haven't taken, not only to make it easier and more convenient, but we are cheaper, we are safer, and our drivers are going to make a lot more money. We can double, triple, quadruple your income depending on what you put into it, and you pay us one time a month. How long so, have you been doing that? 
So we, I am an owner of the state of Arizona. Me and my father, and then Bryson Tucker's part owner in the state of Arizona now. Um, so we haven't launched in the state of Arizona, but Austin has been launched for two months now. Um, in total, I've been working with the Rides team since August 21. Um, my cousin's been working on it for five years, and other people have been involved in that. The tech guys basically the whole time. The app development part of that, that's not my expertise. I won't talk too much <laughs> about it, but it took a very long time. It was very hard to do, and that's an everyday grind. So those guys make everything work for this company, um, and they've been at it for about five years, I would say. It takes a long time to develop an app, especially uh, something like that. 100%. There's and so many problems. Yeah, yeah. It's probably not fun at all. Yeah, not at all. When you got to ping a driver every inch that they move and Bro. calculate all that, <laughs> the numbers, the it's very process. hard. That not coding, for me. Yeah, that coding is something else. Something not else. for me. Yeah. Like I said, I quit school for recess. So <laughs> <laughs> did all that. Nah, that's crazy. I mean, just going in. I remember me, uh, when we finally reconnected after so many years, you were just telling me about all that stuff you got going on and, you know, just getting into that. Um, have you always had that entrepreneur mindset after playing or just, did it just kind of come with real I estate? Think even um, while I was playing, obviously, I love sports. I love football. I wanted to do as much as I could with it. And, you know, just like all of us probably thought about coaching at times or being yeah. a trainer at times. And not to say that I ever lost that interest. Yeah, but for sure. Uh, one of the biggest things that might have even got me in trouble a lot as a player in high school and whatnot was just I don't I don't want to work for the man really you know and it's not just necessarily that but um, not to say none of it's pride and it's all bad it's all good it's not yeah. all good but at the same time I have a very alpha personality yeah and um, I like to take charge of situations I like to be in control of as much as I could possibly be in control of in my life um, not that I'm in control of everything rides but I'm absolutely in control of what I own. And I love that. Um, every owner has the ability to set their own price point for their subscription per month of where they live at or wherever they own at. Gotcha. Um, and we have the control to do all of our advertising, all of our marketing, all of that. And I love that. And just like I had said earlier, we're here to change the world. We're here, here to make the movement. Um, like I said, I have faith in Jesus Christ. So I think I'm here to move the kingdom of God and populate that. If uh, I have the opportunity, and I'm only speaking for myself, yeah. if I have the opportunity to do that through this Rides platform um, to not only make that movement, but just make the, you know, hypothetically the city of Phoenix better, to create, create more jobs, yeah. to create rideshare, make it safer, yeah. make it better, make it more efficient, not only for the drivers, but for the riders, for making a change, and then the opportunity that I'll have with whatever I receive through that, um, will give me the opportunity to do all these other things I dream of doing, like podcasting and like creating my own platform one day to talk about the things I'm interested in yeah. and to give opportunities. You know, my Instagram bios pay my guys. It's a joke. That's my sense of humor. But at the same time, that's what it's about. My yeah. family, my closest friends, I want everybody to make it. Yeah. And if I can do something to impact that and move us in a step in that direction, then I'm going to do everything in my power to do so. And at the same time, it's a bonus to be my own boss. Absolutely. It's not, it's not more fulfilling when you can like put someone on or like help someone out and do it the right way. You know, there's yeah. a lot of people in society and just, you know, kind of the situation I was talking about off camera, just, there's a lot of people that they hear what you have to offer and that's what they want. Yeah. Um, what's been crazy is I was telling you about my friends in, in Arizona, like Carlos had never met any of them. He meets them, the energy you can just feel mm -hmm. the CJ is off mm -hmm. camera. Like everyone who's met them has, all had the same perception and like mm -hmm. that's kind of like 
the reason with the platform and just having you on and stuff like that, that's where I want to take it myself personally and Carlos too. Like being able to just have you just hear what we've heard so far and just kind of you going in depth about everything just really shows that at least for our age, because I think a lot of people our age are doing something crazy mm-hmm. different. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really was starting this. Um, you can look around and honestly, there's more people, more young people than ever doing what they mm-hmm. want to do, taking charge. And I think it's just because we can now we're not in the same, you know, situation as our parents where, you know, you go to school, you get a good job and you work till what, 55, 60, right. you retire, you have what, maybe 10 years right. of good health to enjoy your retirement. Right. It's like, why not start at a younger age, build the life you want, retire by like 30, 35, not retire. Cause it's, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. with rides, and we'll talk about that a little later. It's a full time job. Like, mm-hmm. like, you, like I don't know what like your stuff you have to do later is, but right. I'm sure like you work on that stuff. Right. Like what twelve hour twelve hour days? You, you have accommodate you and a combination yeah. of people, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, a lot to unpack there, but um, just to start off with the people thing again. Yeah. Acknowledge everybody that comes in the room. I'm a big believer in that. Everybody that walks in the room, acknowledge them in some way. Obviously, you don't know what's going on with them. You know, it could help them. It could save them, literally. And on the other side of that, you don't know who they are and how they could help you mm. and save you, literally. <coughs> I've had jobs in my life, um, opportunities in my life, just through random <coughs> conversations with somebody I didn't know that started a relationship and led down the road to now they're talking about buying into this or whatever, mm-hmm. vice versa. They're giving me an opportunity to buy into something yep. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in Austin, Texas. It's booming. Opportunity's endless. There's jobs all over the place. We got Elon Musk out here. Everybody wants to come Joe here. Rogan. It's the fastest growing city in America. It already was. I think it's the world. Sort of yeah. I think it's the world. I, think pro- pro- I wouldn't be surprised. Like 150 new people move here a day. Yeah, it's nuts, dude. It's nuts. It does suck. There's pros and cons to it. 100% (laughs) I-35 is already bad. They can't figure it out. Housing. You better get in while you can or wait. Yeah. 35 Uh, and Mopac. Well, Mopac's always been bad, but now it's like worse. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how it got worse, but it did. Um, But at the same time, the flip side of that is the opportunity is endless. And you can create a platform like this here in the city. If it catches on, it's going to explode. If it explodes in Austin, Texas, it's going to explode around the world. And so that's where I love it. Obviously, I grew up here. I don't know I'll ever fully leave here, you know? Yeah, like, same. Even with what I've got going out in Arizona or whatever, I will always have a place in Austin. That's how I feel, too. Um, it made me, you know, my experiences, who I am as a person, my sense of humor, the way I talk, it's all Austin, Texas. And so I really love this city. I think the opportunities are endless. And I think the people are amazing. Um, I meet someone every day. I do something new every day. I've been here since I was six years old. I do something new every day. So I think, you know, not only do we have a chance to bring a platform like here where it's basically headquartered out of Austin, Texas, um, the logo on the back of our logo is the skyline of Austin. So that's going to be, you know, say rides. We uh, flip the game upside down and this thing explodes. Austin, Texas is going to be right there at the heart of it. You're always going to see the skyline of Austin, Texas. So, I think that with all that said, that we're in the perfect place to do whatever we want. But you got to work together. You got to come together, and like you said, your energy—it's got to be very good at all yeah. times and consistent. Yeah, you're gonna have high highs and low lows in life, but that consistent energy will go a very, very long way, especially in the peaks. Yeah, and valleys. Oh yeah. Well, one question I want to ask you: uh, How do you feel when like football was done for you? Man, I'll tell you what. 
I went to a depression when football was done for me, not just because the sense of football, but that was, I started at seven years old. That was 10 years of my life where that was everything in my life. Um, and the thing about football, what I think makes it so much harder as opposed to other sports is you can't lace them up and go to the rec center and play again. You know what I mean? You can join these little semi-pro leagues. You, there's things you can do, and yet you can go like, – so you can go play basketball. We can go run five-on-five. Five. We can go to the field and play soccer. I can go spar. I can get that. It, like, there's other things I can do. You can play baseball. You can. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can't get 11-on-11 11 11 in a competitive atmosphere again. You know, it's, it's probably not ever going to happen again that last time you play. Yeah. And so I think that the reality of that, you know, not to be too extreme with it like, – I equated it to death, like a part of who I was. Oh, that yeah. first part of who I was in my life died. And it happened abruptly in my mind. You know, mm-hmm. I probably should have saw it a lot sooner than I did. But in my mind, it ended abruptly. And I went through a season, I, I still to this day, like trying to get back in that consistent training like I was back then, to have my body like it was back then. The hardest part about it is I know I'm not going to play. So I think that it's this weird thing. But I still – love football more than anything. I talk about it all day. I would say that this year is the least I've ever followed the Dallas Cowboys in the offseason. I think they broke me this time. Um, this past season? Yeah. No, they, see, think, see, that's where you messed see, up. You got, you, the expectations no. got to be down here like me. That's you expect where, little see, and yeah. See, see, I've watched in my life, 25 years of life, they've won once, three playoff games. Hey, one, three one, playoff games. Once all you wild accepted card it games. like me, it's, it's so much I've better. watched every single game with expectations <laughs> to win. During those 25 <laughs> years. But them... And with this Texas, the expectations are low. Because so. I've already been through so much heartbreak hey, in my I'm life. Just, I'm just, just a blind I water. just can't I, I can't. I can't take it anymore. My heart is just. Uh, I'm broken. Exactly. I'm broken. I'm miserable. Yes. Like, At least Texas is show, like I've I had some unbelievable experiences. Like they're, they're in the same boat. Right. But at least I saw Vince Young. I saw I mean, greatness. Yeah, we, I saw we greatness in all that. sports. Um, this is true. And we've had a terrible decade. The worst decade in program history so that on top for of the dallas cowboys you know i could go down the list of things that will probably be on my tombstone starting with <laughs> tony romo dropping that field goal in 06 on and on and on from there it's like you know you'll be dating someone Can't and you'll, you'll have a moment and be like oh my god why are you so crazy why are you doing this and it's like when are you gonna follow the breadcrumb trail of trauma <laughs> that i've gone through to realize the psychopath you're trying to talk to and that's all because of the dallas cowboys yeah. Anyhow, I mean, hey, I'm right there with you on the pain. I'm right there with you on the pain. So, I, 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 like I said, my expectations are low. From start of the season to the end of the season, they're low. I will say this year is the first year of my life. I don't like. I'll go up. I'll go up to the gym. Whatever people start talking to me, like this is the first year. Where I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Well, <laughs> so last year was the first season for Texas where I just did not care anymore after they lost yeah. to OU. Yeah. See, after they there. lost to OU, I, I just there. did not care. You anymore. went to the game. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to go this year. So that was – I'll probably go again. The yeah. game-wise, that was probably one of the most amazing games I've ever been to. The greatest atmosphere. The, the most highest unique. of highs, the lowest mm-hmm. of lows, like, mm-hmm. through the whole entire game. Mm-hmm. And, like, being a like being a spectator at that game, it's not the whole The fun, entire experience. Fun. The entire experience. The state fair. But just this the, past game, though. Yeah. Like, just yeah. the way it was. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, as, it, no matter what kind of fan you are, like, the end of the day, the game was, like – Insane. So it's like a crazy game to experience. It's the craziest game I've ever been to in my life. But I, 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 I couldn't. Do, I was like, there. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. Twenty-eight point. I can't. Yeah, I peaked on the first play. <laughs> I can't. Ne- never in <laughs> doubt. Like, uh, never in doubt. Over here. Never in doubt. Oh, oh my God. So 
this was this past like, year was the first year where I like I was like that I'm game. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I knew it, bro. They just something, something about y'all just don't. Y'all just aren't. Y'all just aren't built like that. I don't know. It's a curse. Basically, after Dak's rookie season, as my expectations were set, there's, <laughs> there's none anymore. Why the rookie eight? season? Rings. After the rookie season, um, you so liked him the rookie season. No, so I didn't want I didn't want him to begin with. Yeah, um, I didn't want to draft him. And when we drafted him, I told my dad, I was like, that's not a good pick. Like, he's yeah, he's not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a great rookie season. So, I think a lot of Cowboy fans still remember that and write that. And that's mm-hmm. why they stick with him. But the next season came, he got hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, he got hurt. Or his third season. His fourth season. It was his fourth season. His third season, we went back to the playoffs. That's when that's we traded right. for Amari Cooper. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That basically saved his career, that trade, and us make it to the playoffs. Yeah, because he went cra- crazy yeah. after we got Amari. But I'll say about Dak, on a positive side, is where I think people like him, the half the people that do like him. And, you know, in the sports world, it's crazy. There's always a line drawn in the sand now. Like, it's always half and half. Yeah. There's no in-between. Um, I think the people that love Dak, they love his leadership. I think he does have elite he's leadership. He's a good leader. I was going to say that. Um, he's a good leader. And he's won a lot. As opposed to previous quarterbacks, yeah, he has won a lot early too. Troy Aikman, if yeah, you will. yeah, I think he's won the division three times. Yeah, so um, go ahead. I know. I'm just saying. So he's had some consistency in some areas that matter a lot. Now, on the other side of that, he's paid what's the deal? 172 with one like 60 guaranteed, mm-hmm. something like that. I might be off on the numbers. Uh, and I think right now he's the third highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Problem with that, you can't lose to you. You can't lay an egg in the playoffs. You can't have a stretch of six games to end your season where you're inconsistent like that um, at that pay, and then complain about how Troy Aikman talks about you in the booth. That's, That's my it. issue with him. For one, it's Troy Aikman's job. For two, who cares? Yeah. See, and then well, for three, it's like you're he. In my opinion, he's so inconsistent. Like he'll make mm-hmm. an insane Aaron Rodgers type throw, mm-hmm. then the next throw will be like ten yards off. I'm like, yeah, I struggle with a lot of things, you know. <laughs> what? And then if you, I, we have another big cowboy friend, and me and me and him go uh, back and forth with Dak since he's joined. <laughs> He considers a playoff team a good team. I don't. Yeah. Because um, there's teams that get into the playoffs that aren't good teams. Mm-hmm. But including mm-hmm. the good teams 100%. that have been to the playoffs, in his words, um, he's beaten six good teams since he's been in the league. He, his record against playoff contenders and or playoff teams, division winners, is very poor. Yep. His level of play in those games has been very poor. Yep. Um, that would be a different – like if you went and looked at his numbers and he was putting up – and I'm not talking garbage time numbers. I'm talking about numbers in general. You but know, that's passer rating, completiency rating. Um, in those games, he struggles. And that's where I struggle, I think, today. Look, athletes are soft. It is what it is. I'm a mental health guy. I'm a big mental health guy. I see the side of where we have social media now and, oh, they can instantly comment on all of our pictures. And they can say, I get that. I get what you're saying, that there's this extreme, you know, that quote-unquote, uh, water cooler talk that you used to only have at work 
I think Sark was talking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. He used to only have it work. The athletes would never hear it. I hear what you're coming from on that, where we would go talk, now we can go tweet it. But you can also turn off your notifications. If it bothers you that much, you can also turn off your comments. You can also, we don't need to go, and, you know, I have many people that I blame for creating this culture, but I think that the <laughs> culture is so soft, and fans are fan is short for fanatic. If fans care that much and they're that passionate about it, if you're not crossing racial and moral lines with somebody, then you have the right to talk about how he's sorry if you think he's sorry. Yeah, obviously everybody knows that you're not Dak Prescott and you can't throw the ball like Dak Prescott or you're not Aaron Rodgers and you can't do that. But I want to call you sorry. That's part of it. That's part of what makes this sport fun, the trash talking, the everything about it. That's what makes fandom fun. Talk about the Texas OU game. You want to see some nastiness, go to the Texas OU game. It gets raw. It's crazy. Um, I could never go. I, can't, I See, I can't do that to myself. Rush should give me a heart attack. Yeah, and on top of that, <laughs> it's like 110 <laughs> degrees in the Cotton Bowl that's like 110,000 years old. They've done no renovations to that place since <laughs> <laughs> Doak Walker was running in it. Uh, so you add all of that together, there's going to be some brawls. There's going to be – but that's what makes it unique, the hate that's and all sport, that that's, stuff. That's sports. Yeah, it is. It's sports. And sports is supposed to be that. It's supposed to take you away from the world, your job. Nobody likes their nine-to-five. They get their weekend, and you have a Sunday night game where the Cowboys lose. You're already thinking like about the Giants. You're already thinking about work tomorrow, and you know Susie likes the 49ers, and I'm gonna have to go hear her. She don't even know what she's talking about. You know, like <laughs> you know how it is. You know how it is. It's like that. And then oh, you gotta man. hear LeBron talk about you can't talk to me like that. What are you talking about? Like you come talk to her for me then. Yeah. You come explain it. Yeah. Because that's what that's where I'm at with it. You know, yeah, and that goes for tough. everybody. That goes for everybody. That's it's tough. I, so I, I kind of, I, mean, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you when like saying athletes are soft. Because at the end of the day, it's like, how hard are you it's on a yourself? Broad well, now how hard are you on yourself when you play? Right, right. And then it's like you're hard on yourself, and then you, you don't meet the expectations that you set for yourself, that right. the organization set for you, and then as much as for let's just use that. Kind of, Dak, as an example, you can turn off all the notifications you want. At the end of the day, you still play for the Dallas Cowboys, so you're yeah, going to see it. There's extremes. You're going to see it. I don't think it. Dak's too bad. Like, I don't think Dak's too bad about – he doesn't post a lot outside of, like, his foundations and yeah. stuff. So I would exclude him. I'm not going to say Well, I'm just saying athlete. as an example, like, it, depending on who you play for, like, the Cowboys, I would say you'd probably see it a lot. The Lakers. Yeah. The Yankees. Probably yeah. Longhorns. Like, you're going you're gonna to see it But that regardless. comes with that. Like, if you are Dak Prescott, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. If you are LeBron James, if you are Tiger Woods or whoever, you know you're going to get more attention than anybody else in the For sport sure. does. That comes with it. There's good and bad. you got to take the pros and cons. I'm not saying you got to be perfect at it. Nobody's ever going to be perfect at it. And I don't think all those people are bad at it. I think Tiger Woods is actually flawless, like, compared to what he, he went care. through. Yeah. He just doesn't care. Exactly. I think the way he's handled that is the only way you can handle yeah. that. Honesty he just, he and then just, does not just care. I'm going to do what yeah. I do now. Yeah. And that's where I'm coming from with it. It's just soft is obviously an extreme statement, but in a sense, not all athletes are the same. There are some that mm-hmm. roll with the punches and there's some that want to play victim or some that yeah. just want people to feel sorry for them. At the end of the day, you know, I get toward if I fell at work, I get chewed out for it, and there's nobody there to save me. There's nobody there to go defend me on Twitter. If they did, it wouldn't matter anyways. Yeah. You know, So it's like that's where I think people come from and get upset. 
And that's not to say that fans don't get out of pocket. They do. Oh, it happens. Sure. That's just you got to realize there's stupid people in the world that are going to get out of pocket. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't, you know, yeah. always take it. Oh, there's one fan that did this. We need to start restricting all fans. Come on, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. I'm not saying it's, there's been times where it's been really, really bad. You can go back to the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 90s. There was hateful people. And not to say that that doesn't still exist, but me talking about you can't make free throws mm-hmm. and you're going to act like, you know, I shot your sister. Like, it's not <laughs> – it's not the same thing. Off camera, you, you talked about going to a um, uh, Premier League game. How, mm-hmm. how are the fans there? They – they will, you were talking about different, like, <laughs> those fans there will get on the field and fight you. <laughs> like, I was on the field, basically on the field. Josie Marino was there. Deli Ali was there. They are saying some terrible things. I can't say any of it on here. My mom will watch this. Like, it's nuts. But at the same time, they love you at that extreme. So when you're playing well, they're singing songs. You got 60,000 people singing a song in unison. They're very, very passionate. And that's a country where – you know, a lot of them are poor, and that is all they have. And they're going to go to every single game. That was a Tottenham game. Those people are going to walk and go to every single Tottenham game. Then they're going to hit the pubs after, and they're going to sing songs even when they lose. They did lose. It was a huge upset in the FA Cup to Norwich. They lost in penalties. And, um, you know, they were pissed off. They were hot. But they're all celebrating and still singing the Tottenham songs for hours after the game. And so that's the thing. You can get – Somebody that sings out, sends out an angry tweet, if you will, in a moment or, you know, flips somebody off or does something. I'm not saying it's not foolish. It is foolish, but they're also going to still be there in game six, you know. For sure. With all the hopes of the world. Like me last night, I was absolutely devastated. Mavs are going to win in seven, though. Like, <laughs> I was absolutely devastated. They got blown out. We got good. Yeah, we yeah, looked like the Texas Longhorns. We went ten minutes without a bucket. They got blown out. I've never seen anything like it. I have, but, but, <laughs> but not, not the NBA. Not the NBA. <laughs> not the NBA. So that was so going going over there, going to like a, a Premier League game, seeing that culture, seeing that fan base, seeing that passion, and then going to the games that you have here. Do they like blow us out of the water? They, like, it's way better. Yeah, yeah, way better. Just the passion, even the way fans, Across how sports. they have an away section with security. I've only been to a soccer game. I know they're passionate about boxing as well. Almost well, the same about, like, their passion for like soccer across all sports like blows us. Yeah, out yeah. I would just say their passion for their club. Like yeah. it's like it's like their passion for community. Um, it's not really like that. Like we like all the same teams, basically all Dallas teams and stuff. But that doesn't exist a whole lot anymore, which is fine. But those people have like this passion. Like they're going to war for that club every single day. There's teams. There's people there that. Their teams have either been at the bottom of the table or they've never even made it into the premiership. Yeah. And they watch every game with passion. They live – you know, London's huge. There's all these different clubs yeah. there. They live around the Chelsea fans. They live around the Arsenal fans and the Tottenham fans that have had success. And they've never even made it up to the premiership, but they'll fight all of them. You know? And then it's <laughs> like it's their team till they die. That's what is unbelievable there. I think the loyalty to what they do and – we we're talking about being born Cowboys fans. Those those kids out there are born into what they have to support. And yeah, they're, they're, they're not like me. Lose one game, though, you are just done. <laughs> yeah, lose one game, yeah. all right. Next week. Well, with them, it's like it's cold <laughs> nine months a year. They're they're tough. They're built a little bit different. Uh, and then when it warms up, it's still not really warm. To be honest this with is you, it's overcast too the whole time yeah, and all that. Raining, raining all yeah. the time. 
<laughs> man. How, how is life over? Is it, is it cool? I had a great time. How long were you there? I was there for five days, then I went to France, and then I came back. So I think I spent seven days in London and three in France. Which was better? London, easily. You know what I'm saying? But just because of the Shut fact up, that, bitch. like, because you don't understand. You, you, you speak the same language, exactly. which helps. It's easy. Um, and they like you more in London. Like, they like Americans. They're excited to see Americans. France is not necessarily the case. In, in some areas. France also out. isn't as modern as England. Not it's very, all. it's older. Like, they, yeah. they, they, they want to keep it, like, like that, like the but same with Italy. That's what it is. They yeah. want to keep it that way. They don't want it to change. They don't want too many Americans over there. Um, but same time, it was beautiful. I'm glad I experienced it. It was freezing cold. Where'd you go for? Just it was a ten day trip. Yeah, Europe trip. So yeah, I, I mean, I told him when when I go to Europe, I have to go for like at least a month. Bro, I don't think I could do that. Really? Just, well, well it just, maybe it's, it's more of like a whole Europe trip. Like yeah, you're moving there's around. There's so many places you can like, like because it's the size of Texas is bigger than Europe, right? So it's like right. there's so many places you can hit. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't just go to like I don't know France for a week and right. then go, I mean for a day and then go somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else. I'd rather like at least spend time like three days, well, four days in a place. It's just like you. Would, if I went there, you'd you'd ideally want to split it up because you have like. Mm. Northern Europe, so you got like England, Germany, France, then like Norway, all those mm-hmm. countries, right. and then you got Southern Europe, you got Greece, Spain, like Italy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yep. like you said, it's just it's yeah. a lot, bro. Well, yeah, it is a lot. I'm not the most touristy guy, like I am. Like there's things I definitely do want to see, but like the Louvre, for instance, like I was bored in ten minutes and it lasted like ten hours. I felt like, which I mean, don't get me wrong, like the Mona Lisa is like not even as big as that picture yeah, of Jordan Shipley. Um, so, I don't know. There's things I really liked. I think that if I did a Europe trip for a month, I would probably want to hit a bunch of sporting events. Yeah. Like something cool. in England, something in Germany, something, you know, maybe a fight somewhere. Um, I don't know, but I definitely loved it. Like, it wasn't like I had to get back. It was right. I got back two days before, like, the country shut down with COVID. Oh, so, wow. I was at the airport leaving London, and that's, like, a big airport. It's usually pretty populated. It was, the, uh, it was dead. There was nobody in there. Our flight got delayed, like, five times so we didn't leave we're supposed to leave like seven in the morning we left at like seven at night i remember thinking that day if we don't get out of this airport i'm never making it back to america (laughs) like like, i I was like i don't know and then sure enough we got back and everything was shut down they shut down flights crazy i want to go so bad it's one you have to i think you should i want to go yeah i think definitely travel the world outside of like south america you know it's so easy to do that here in texas Mm -hmm. um but yeah, get America, out of America. Right there. Yeah, yep. get to Europe. See, it's a different way of living, different way of eating. You know, they're more minimalistic, I would say. Rooms are smaller. There's not a whole lot to it. You're going to be outside doing things, I feel like. I don't feel like people spend too much time at home there, mm-hmm. which is a positive. The energy is insane. I mean, they're singing songs everywhere you go. Is it fast? Very fast. Very, very fast. It's like, it's like New York. New York is like London on steroids, I would say. So they move very fast paced, but it's not as big, not as many big buildings, not as many people. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I guess transitional phase, I don't know if you want to touch on any of the, like your other, other personal stuff, but that's up to you. Yeah, but, no, uh, that's fine. Um, I can touch on anything. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you were married yeah, yeah. previously yeah. and uh, how that went. Um, yeah. Just kind of want to hear like your side or not your side, but right, like, just but like just like the process of like what going through that because I wasn't really talking to you 
we weren't we really weren't like talking like that then mm-hmm. when you because I remember I ran into you guys at the domain and you were like yeah mm-hmm. bro I just got, I'm getting married and I was like mm-hmm. for real and then mm-hmm. like I met your like your ex wife and yeah, stuff yeah. so um, just kind of just how was that as a, as a young age and what was like that transitional shift like going through all that stuff yeah I think that um, I guess I can start from square one on my faith and stuff part of me getting married uh, obviously you know I, I'm a believer that. Love is a choice. I don't really believe in necessarily destiny of that happening or you're supposed to have this one person. If that was the case, the divorce rate wouldn't be close to 60%. Um, I think it's a choice. I think it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Got married. I was 23 years old. Um, I just turned 23 years old. And the COVID thing happened. A lot of things happened that were very unfortunate um, that led to a lot of divorces. I'm not saying that's why we got yeah. divorced. It's not. There's obviously a lot of things that happened. And I want the best for her and her family, but it was a journey I went through in my life, um, and I'm a big mental health guy. So I had grown up, um, big suicidal prevention guy, street drug awareness guy, if you yeah. will. I've lost people to overdose and stuff like that. And so I think that that always had a big impact on my heart, and um, especially the suicide thing that I had always, you know, tried to dive as deep as I could with people that I knew were in pain and knew were hurting to see if I could get in there, like see what is it that leads you to think you don't want to be around anymore because everybody's loved, whether you realize it or not. There's someone that loves you. There's someone that not only loves you, that needs you. And then you fast forward, uh, I end up splitting up from my wife August 2021. The divorce is filed within two months of that. And so I'm going through the holidays with this extreme change in my life and a psychologist and same for her psychologist um equate divorce to death i talked about that with the football thing earlier but they equate divorce to death internally because it's this it's this thing that you committed your entire life to you had a vision a lifetime vision of this not yeah. just a two-year vision or a dating yeah. vision and so the reality of all that sinking in you go through a whirlwind of emotions and seasons of how you deal with that and i didn't cope with everything extremely well um, and so I would say a little bit after Christmas, I hit probably the most extreme depression I'd ever been in my life. And not just because of the divorce. I think there was a lot of things, but you know, that shift and the embarrassment that I felt, we were both from Georgetown and there was all these people that knew about it and, you know, maybe drew their, their conclusion of what could happen and what they think happened. And you're thinking of that yourself. Most people probably don't think that yeah. way, but I had a ton of embarrassment and a ton of shame of the situation and then disappointment. Like, you invited all these people to your wedding, run into you, I tell all these people, this is what I'm doing, I'm getting married, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And shortly after, it's over, and everybody just sees it's over. And I'm kind of off the spectrum. My social media is deleted, yeah, all this stuff. I'm, that. like, in hiding. And I realized that I was extremely depressed and that although I would never, ever, ever cross that line and do something to harm myself, I didn't really feel comfortable being around anymore Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any confidence in myself anymore. And so I went through a season where I didn't even want to see my family. I didn't want to see cousins. I didn't want to see friends. Um, I stayed out of church. A lot of the things that had molded me into everything I believed in, everything I talk about, I wasn't living any of that out. Mm -hmm. And so I sought therapy, big believer in therapy, big believer in being vulnerable. I think that it's easy for us to show up, especially as men. And I think we should, I'm a very, alpha male type of person i'm a protector um i have two sisters that i love dearly i got three nieces that i love dearly a mom that i love dearly a grandma and i always felt like since i was a little boy that i need to protect these people at all times and so with that i think the flip side of that was showing no weakness and never being weak which 
didn't allow myself to be vulnerable. This is what I'm going through. And this could yeah. maybe potentially change the outcome of what happened with the marriage or whatever. If you're just more vulnerable. And I learned that. And so being glass half full, the reality of the situation was the reality of the situation. And how are you going to move forward? And so I think that through therapy, through self-reflecting, and through the unconditional and um, indescribable healing that transcends understanding of Jesus Christ, which I believe in fully, that I was healed. I think that I took my problems to the cross, and I took my problems to mentors in my life, um, and had some really tough conversations with pastors, with best friends, with Bryson Tucker, with my father, with my sisters, with people that um, I knew would be honest with me, but people that most importantly told me, you know what, Shoney, I love you, and I'm on your side, yeah. you know, and that meant a lot. Yeah. And so transitioning from that situation, that season of my life, that's where I'm at. I think that that whole acknowledging everybody in the room, you really don't know what's going on with somebody. 90% of the people I meet and that I know and even work with don't know that I've been through that, which yeah. is okay. You know, if I'm comfortable talking about it, I am. If not, I'm not. Um, and it's not something I'm just going to walk in and bring yeah, it up. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you know, you don't know how many people I've, ran, I've run into that I just met that are going through the exact same thing mm -hmm. or had recently just gone through it. And then you have that connection where you meet and you know you're not alone. And that might be very brief, but it goes a very, very long way. And so I think that what I learned through that season of my life is, one, to be vulnerable, be honest. We live in a world where, unfortunately, things are going to be out there. Yeah. Your life is going to be public. If you choose yeah. to be on social media and stuff, things are going to be public. So I think that you should also be aware that your low spots and your failures are going to be publicized. Yeah. Um, so be ready for that yeah. and seek help for that and reach out to people that have either been through it or that just love you and want to yeah. make sure you're good. So I don't know. I think that I've been through that and I'm happy to talk about it. Happy to answer questions. I'm happy to be there for anybody else yeah. that's been through that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just a good dynamic to hear. Cause I mean, it's a weird age in our life. Like mm -hmm. everyone's either in serious relationships mm -hmm. doing the navigating through the dating scene mm -hmm. and how difficult that can be at our age just because everyone is so scattered sporadically in right. their 20s, you know, being married. Right. Um, or just like focusing on yourself as in your growth, your career, right. um, your personal endeavors. So it's, it's one of those things where when you hear like a situation like that, it's just like, to fathom it, you know, from like mm -hmm. someone that hasn't been through it. It's just like, geez, like mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine, like you said, you're, you're, it's a, it's like a death essentially. Like right. you, you expect all this stuff, you know, when you get married, it's, it's for better or worse, like your vows and stuff like, right. and right. everyone goes through that, but no one really talks about like everyone's so quick to like get into it and stuff. And yeah. do you think that was like kind of what you like were quick to jump into that? I think probably so. I think that, you know, in hindsight, you can look at it in any way. Um, here's what I'll say, though. I think that, you know, and I'll kind of spin zone this yeah, 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 into yeah, absolutely. that suicidal prevention thing. I think that when you look at suicide numbers, a lot of it's young people getting out of relationships and uh, being alone. I think there was a girl, a TikTok girl the other day that's very famous, like 16 years old. And uh -huh. I don't know the background, so I'm yeah. not saying it was because of a relationship. But, you know, you have thousands and thousands of followers, if not millions of followers, and you feel alone. I think that a lot of times you, as a young person, you fall in love with somebody and you give them everything you have and you make maybe even financial commitments together and all this stuff. So you feel that that part of you has to be like that forever. If that glue breaks or that yoke breaks, if you will, that you're broken. And it's not the case. You know, it's very understandable that you feel that way. 
But at the same time, we are so young. You're 16 years old and you're getting out of a relationship. You know, the cliche saying, there's many fish in the sea. There's millions of people out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that at the end of the day, what I've struggled with and in insecurities in my life, not only through that marriage, was um, the lack of feeling accepted. And so I think with love, not only with somebody else, um, like a partner, even with a friend, it comes from unconditional acceptance. There's yeah. going to be things I love about you. There's going to be things I don't love yeah. about you, but yeah. I accept those things because I yeah. love you. And I think that you should be seeking that out and that there's not only friends, but there is another girl or guy out there in the world that will accept all of you and love all of you and that everybody deserves that. So just because one person didn't do that or it failed for whatever reason, there's a multitude of things that could break up a relationship. And it's very hard to stay with somebody for the rest of your life, quite mm-hmm. frankly, probably more so now than ever. Yeah. Um, it's so accept- like acceptable, you know, so acceptable, which is it's yeah. not like unacceptable, but it's just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, we, it's OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I think that it's important to be honest about how you feel about that. If yeah. you don't think it's acceptable, then it's really not. That doesn't yeah. mean you're not going to go through it. Yeah. But be honest with yourself and your morals and what you truly believe to your core. I think people don't know themselves and I think people aren't don't have any security in themselves and they get married or they get in a serious relationship and you don't even know who you are so what you're trying to be is you're trying to perform for that person yeah and then when it fails you think you failed you didn't perform well enough well it's not you do you even know who you are you know find out who you are as yourself before ever crossing that line it's easier said than done especially in today's world there's a lot of influence to do a lot of stuff like that but at the same time we got to keep going because there's some way there that needs you to keep going so they can keep going. So don't think of it in the lens of yourself. You have to live this world very selflessly mm-hmm. if you're going to make it through the end because it's hard. I mean, none of us are good. I don't believe that anybody in the world is good. We're all bad, essentially, as mm-hmm. opposed to God or whatever is supposed yeah. to be good. We're bad. Yeah. So together, let's not judge each other. Let's not harm each other. Let's work together so we can make good happen. So our badness, our brokenness could bridge to wholeness if we're together. And that's why I think I got through that season, and I think I'm able to help others going through that season at this stage of my life because of the people and the advice I got, which is essentially what I've articulated talking about this. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's good. That's real good. I mean, I went through not necessarily the same thing, but, like, the same thing. Like, recently – uh, I was just in a long-term relationship mm-hmm. and it felt like ass after yeah. it ended. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I just fell in the depression stage and just had to find who I was. And mm-hmm. uh, After, I guess, your divorce and you figured <coughs> out everything, did like, <coughs> was a, I guess, a fire lit for you for yeah. passion-wise? And, like, like, you can use it for um, the company or... Yeah. Um, that's how it was for me. Uh, like just I, something to drive you. 100%. Yeah. I think that's healthy. I think that's healthy in every way imaginable. You have to find something to pick yourself back up. Because at the end of the day, one of the other harsh realities is whether it comes from a relationship or something else in our lives, we're going to hit that depressant state again at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's not that practice how to be depressed and get out of depressed because that would just make you depressed <laughs> all the time. I don't want to do that. But at the same time, yeah, what are there? There's things you got to surround yourself with people that make you laugh. Laughing is healing. If you're able to laugh, then you're okay. You're going to be sad again. But if you're able to laugh, you're able to find that inner love, that spirit inside of you that is good and positive. So seek laughter, seek joy, seek fun, and seek something that motivates you because you're young and you got to pick yourself up off that mat 
and you got to work. You got to provide for yourself. You got to keep the lights on. And if that motivation factor, if someone broke up with you or vice versa, or something went wrong with somebody like that, and you want to prove them wrong, shit, I think that's healthy, yeah. at least for a while in your life. <laughs> you know, don't take it, don't become homicidal, <laughs> don't be crazy, but yeah. like. I think that anything that motivates you to wake up and do this podcast or anything that motivates you to punch that clock and go compete in the world is healthy. And it's For good. Sure. And it can bring you out of that pit. And then you're going to get to a place to where, you know, unfortunately, it's still a bad thing, but you're happy it happened. And you're in a better place because it happened. And you're in a place where you've done more soul searching and found out more about yourself than you ever would have if it didn't happen. And you couldn't realize that at the time like I said, I believe in God's perfect timing. I think that his timing and the way he views timing is way different than ours. And so, you know, I would have liked that to end instantly. I would have liked there's times, you know, you say, oh, I wish it would have never happened to begin with. Or I wish I would have saw this or saw that or realized this earlier. But, and yet, at the same time, I don't think I'd be here right now if it didn't happen. I don't think I would have made the progress I have made with rides and um, just our part of it expanding and doing things of that nature and bringing people on board to be on our team. I found that energy through those those valleys, if you will, those low spots in my life. Um, I was able to dive deep and find that. And then a lot of those people were the people that helped me get through it in general when I would break down or whatever. And you got to realize that's going to happen. Just because you have a good day doesn't mean a bad one's not around the corner. Um, you can't run from it either. You can run from it. You can hop up, pack up, leave, start another life, and it's going to happen again or something's going to happen again. Learn how to deal with your problems. Uh, because at the end of the day, they're not going anywhere, and problems in this world aren't going anywhere. But at the same time, I'm not a believer in saying, you know, there's bigger problems in the Ukraine right now, or there's bigger. I, I see where you're coming from on that, and I see where you're not incorrect on that. But I think as humans, we can only fathom what's going on in our own brain, and not to make yourself a victim, because I don't think that's healthy either. But we also need to meet people in their place where they're at because they can only fathom what they're thinking. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that everything you've been through and everything that anyone that's listening that can relate has been through just needs to know they're not alone and going through that. But at the same time, pick yourself up and keep going. Someone needs you to. Yeah, bro. Honestly, what's been great about hearing like all that unpacked and then you know helping Carlos kind of go through what he was going through uh, recently um, that's kind of the same position for me last year. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, being in a situation where you're like in that, you know, your mindset, you're mm -hmm. in something and then it's not being reciprocated, you know, mm -hmm. properly. And then it kind of forces you to pit me in a state like that, too. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't with the person, but mm -hmm. it was more of like oh, yeah. I feel like I'm being controlled. Like I'm like doing stuff that's out of character. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm I'm using stuff as a crutch, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's good to you know, hear that like you are loved and stuff. And then also too, you find that passion. Like I always tell Carlos, I'm not the person to ever, it's, it's probably a little toxic, but I'm not the person to like block them or anything. I just want them to see me right. winning, me winning, right. you right. know, like see me doing well and things like that. But yeah, um, it's like, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. Yeah. Uh, it's not always the person you can't get over or something. Cause it could happen outside of relationships. I think that yeah. disappointment sucks. I think when you feel you had expectations or something, it could happen with this podcast or yeah. anything else. You feel you're below your expectations that leads to depression. So I think in general, constantly, even when you're doing very well, mm. work on your mentals. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch said, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's constant because you need to sharpen it. And even having those checkups with each other, like, we had a podcast probably last month or re very recently where me and Carl just talked to each other. And, like, we hadn't done that in 
we've done it like off camera. So, but right. it was just more of a us just you know ca- catching up, chopping right. it up. Because I mean, honestly, a lot of the time, and I even tell CJ, our boy that does PCT, like he's been struggling with trying to keep the, like be friend, like do the friends thing because mm-hmm. like you do it with your friends, but. Mm-hmm. When y'all are recording, like, y'all just record and then y'all do whatever. Like, y'all go right. home or whatever. Right. Y'all don't do, like, the actual hanging out and taking that time to bond. Go get some food, drink, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like, just having those checkups with your with your boys is important. Because, like, men men already conceal their feelings, like you said earlier, and don't talk about things that affect them. Right. So, making that normalized and, you know, literally just texting Carlos is like, how you been? Like, I now when I see him, I'm just like, how you, how you doing? Like, I'm not... I just want to know, like, if you're good. And I hope he or you or anyone that I ask that to and vice versa, I hope I can give you, like, a real answer. Like, if I'm not – if I'm pissed today, like, tell me you're pissed and why. You know, like, talk about it. Yeah. So. Whenever I'm with you, I can't – I can't hide it. You'll see it on my face. So I'm always smiling and stuff. So it's like, when I'm not, not, like, it's like, what's wrong, (laughs) Sony? Like, so I can't hide it. I got to be out there. Um. Transition back to sports. You said he used to box. Do you have a favorite boxer? Yeah, Roy Jones Jr. That's a good, that good. What about yeah. like in today's Canelo? Canelo? Yeah, Canelo. <laughs> you watched, it, you watched <laughs> the last fight? I sure did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think he's. I think he was heavy. I think it was a hell of a time to switch to a vegan diet and moving up in weight like that. Um, but first off, Dimitri's timing was on point. He fought a perfect fight. He did a great job using his size, using his length. I think Canelo got tired quick. Um, I what think is, that's a, what's light heavyweight for boxing? One well, light heavyweight is one seventy five, I think. One seventy five yeah. for boxing. Yeah, one seventy five. Yeah, one seventy five. Yeah, that's. I believe it's a one seventy five. I think that's where Andre Ward finished at. So yeah, light heavyweight. So I'm, I'm a UFC fan. I'm both. I'm and both. I, the UFC is a little bit heavier. So the UFC, they jump for, like ten pounds, and they'll yeah. jump like fifteen pounds. Boxing will have welterweights, you know, super middleweight, yeah. junior so, middleweight, so middleweight. It's like three per class. Yeah, it's like junior. So yeah. There's um, a lot. There's what, a lot. What does he typically fight at weight-wise? Around what weight? So he started – I mean, I think he fought Floyd at 140 or 135. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he won at 147, 152, 156, 164, and then he moved, moved up like heavyweight. He was talking about moving up to heavyweight. Yeah, crazy. I think he's been so dominant for so long. I think he's, you know, clearly all due respects to Julio Cesar Chavez, the legend. I think Canelo's the best Mexican boxer of all time. I think he's yeah, one of the best boxers of all time. Me I think too. he was heading on the way to the top. I think he could still get there. He's got a lot left in him. I think he could beat Dimitri. I just think that he needs to go back to the drawing board, maybe fight down a weight class. I was saying, or do you think heavyweights, light heavyweights too I much think, you know, he has to don't go on a vegan diet. And I'm not saying I'm a brilliant, I'm a genius with <laughs> nutrition, but you're moving up a weight like that to make an extreme change in your diet. Um and, you know, I don't know how else he bulked to get there. I don't know what Canelo walks around at. Boxers, it's a lot different. MMA, you got wrestlers and stuff that mm-hmm. are traditional weight cutters. Boxers don't typically cut that much. That's mm-hmm. why you don't miss weight as much, if ever. Um, so I think it's he's capable of doing it. I think Eddie Reynoso might be the best trainer in boxing, or he's one of them. And so I think that there's a way to get there. I would go back fight a couple other people. Fight Charlo. He's been waiting forever. Charlo's earned that fight. Yeah. I love Charlo. Errol Spence Jr. would be like right there behind Canelo. Um, if I wasn't half Mexican, it would probably be Errol Spence Jr. DeSoto, Texas. Love Errol Spence. I love Crawford too, and yet you got to go for the home team. 
Um, but I think boxing is in a phenomenal place. I think Shakur Stevenson is on his way. I think he'll be pound for pound number one in the world one day. I think he's the best out of all the young kids. Um, I think Devin Haney's nice. Tank fights this weekend, too. Yeah. Cambo yeah. said that's going to be a hell of a fight. Um, I think boxing, you know, obviously Tyson Fury, the first heavyweight superstar there's been in, since the Tyson and Evander Holyfield days. Um, no disrespect to the Klitschko's, but they were boring. Uh, I think that Tyson Fury is a superstar superstar. So much fun to watch. So much charisma. Everything about his shows or his entertainment, he gets it. And I don't – quite frankly, you know, I know it's controversial, but I also know most people don't know boxing. I think he's the best heavyweight there ever was because I don't think anybody could beat him. He's at 6'8". He moves like a welterweight. Yeah, away. it's crazy. You got to realize, people bring up Rocky Marciano. He was like 5'11". Like, you got, even Tyson was small. And Tyson's way down on my list as opposed to where he is on other people's list. But I think that even Ali and guys love him, the legend. At 6'7", six, 6'8", six, he moves like that. Like, I don't – he's 270. He's a – that's why I'm like, I don't think anybody beats him. That's what I yeah. mean by that. I'm not saying his legacy is the greatest already. It's pretty damn good. Um, I mean, Klitschko was unbeatable for a decade. He dominated him. He's dominant. I think Wilder is the hardest puncher of all time. He walked him down and stopped him twice. He got knocked out dead, froze like the Undertaker, and then beat him twice. Um, he'd run through Joshua. I just I, – I, and I just think his overall – who he is, his entertainment aspect of everything. Where is he he from? checks all the boxes. He's from England. He's England. a gypsy, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's like – he, he's a gypsy. You know, that's what he labels himself as. So, but, yeah, he's from England. They love him there. I mean, he's they're, – they're, they're singing there's only one Tyson Fury down the streets of London all day long. He's a superstar. I'm not I'm, – I'm a UFC fan. I'm not much of a boxing fan. Yeah. So I don't really talk too much about comment too much about boxing because right. I'm I'm not gonna comment something I don't really know about right. like that. So um, for the Canelo fight, I was just I, I didn't know if it was a good or a bad win for a uh, loss for him. Um, I didn't also didn't know what he fought at, so I asked. Cause, yeah, because I, I just compared it to like McGregor, like yeah. him fighting up at 170. Yeah, like that's a lot yeah. for him, and that's probably like what he walks around at. And when you when you go from like you put on that much weight, mm-hmm. it's not. It's you'll not be easy. Bloated, it's, you're gonna yeah. be yeah, and you get tired really, 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 really fast. Because for one, you're not used to fighting like that. One hundred percent. Two is just the other guy weighs that much, and it's gonna it's be natural. It's gonna, yes. he's fluid. You're carrying all this weight. Yes. Yeah, yeah I think I, as far as good loss, bad. I don't think it's a bad loss. It's not good for the legacy just because it wasn't. I don't think. I think they scored it like 115, 113, something like that. I don't think it was particularly that close. Um, was it one I sided? I didn't because I was watching I, the UFC fight when it when it was. I going think on. it was under control the entire fight. Yeah, um, I mean all twelve rounds. I would say I'm not saying he won all twelve rounds, but it was under control all twelve rounds. He was never threatened. Um, I think you know the fact that it was like that. It was so convincing. Because there are guys, and he did dare to be great, if you will, and moving up. But there's guys that like. Manny Pacquiao won in, like, eight different weight classes. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. won at heavyweight. Um, That's my dad's favorite fighter. Floyd, Floyd went up. He's won in five different weight classes. Uh, people have done – Andre Ward went up to light heavyweight and beat Kovalev twice. So, I mean, that is not to – you know, he's – Canelo's fought Triple G. Canelo's fought killers. He's never run from anybody. He's not scared, and it was a challenge. But I think the loss is going to take a lot of – Big moments and probably beating Dimitri one day to get back to where the he was two headed. Losses? 
He has two Floyd big losses. Floyd and, but Floyd, he was 21. Yeah, he was Nobody's young. ever looked at that. Yeah. He was 21. Yeah. And so that was the whole thing. Prime Canelo versus Prime Floyd. And I'm still – I think Canelo hits too hard. His defense is too slick now to get dominated like that. Um, not saying he would win, but that – What about Prime Roy yeah, Jones prime, and Prime Floyd? I'd go Roy Jones Jr. I'd go Roy Jones. But Floyd Mayweather, I'm not – like, <laughs> that's a biased side of me. Floyd Mayweather Unbiased is one of – Unbiased actually think. Depends, man. Because, I mean, look, Roy Jones Jr. dominated James Tony, who defensively, Floyd gives tons of credit for where he's at defensively. One of the greatest defensive boxers of all time. He beat him with ease. He beat Bernard Hopkins with ease. He beat these killers with ease at times when there was no benefit to fighting those guys, and he was running through them. I think it'd be a hell of a fight. I think they fight ten times. Both of them win a handful of them. But I would go with Roy. Um, just because Canelo had power. He had a lot of power. He was a savage as a youngster. I mean, what he did to Arturo Gatti was criminal. <laughs> uh, Diego Corrales just brutalized him. But as he went up in weight, not only did it not carry, but he had the brittle hands and all that stuff. So it's like, when are they fighting? Because Roy Jones Jr. isn't going to fight him at 130. Mm-hmm. It would have had to been like the 154 version of Floyd, and I don't think that version could be the 154 version of Roy Jones Jr. What do I know, though? Hey. Eh. Eh. But I like MMA too. I like all. I like everything. What do you? How do you feel about the uh, Paul brothers? Uh, I mean, they're doing their thing. I don't blame them. Um, at first, I hated it a lot. I don't think it's bad for boxing. Anything that draws attention to boxing, especially when you're beating MMA guys, I've for a very long time said. I hate, I hate it. Just yeah, for me because I don't love he, it. I mean, he who has he beat? That was my he thing. Hasn't, so that's yeah. My he beat thing. a washed MMA fighter. Whoop de doo. He's a yeah, that can't Fury. box. Like that's so. Yeah. That's the thing with Jake Paul. People don't realize he's been training like five or six years. He has a lot of money, so he's been training in like wild card with Freddie Roach and all mm-hmm. these great cha- trainers for five years consistently. So he can box. He can box as opposed to better than a lot of MMA guys because they're not they're good not, boxers. They're, yeah, that's yeah. They do everything. MMA, yeah, yeah, yeah. They throw one or two punches at a time. Loopy shots. They throw kicks. They're in more traditional kickboxing people. Um, so. For years, it's been this unknown thing, like within boxing gyms and stuff, that you know, same way. If we get in the cage, except that's not unknown, what's going to happen? You get know. Your ass but you get in here in the squared circle, and it's just mano a mano. This mm-hmm. is a sweet science. Somebody that does nothing but boxing and nothing but punching all the time. Not only is our footwork going to be way too good, and it's going to we're going to be way better than you. It's going to hit way harder than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's cherry picked everything he's done, and now he's made enough money where. He can fight somebody they knows he'll lose to. Here's what I'll say about Jake Paul, though. He's been in those gyms for five years. That means he's sparred some really good amateurs. He's sparred some really good boxers. If he wanted to be a boxer, he'd be calling out some of those guys. He knows. You know what I mean? He's gotten in there for some of the elite amateurs and probably gotten work done to him. The only boxer he's called out, I think, is Tommy Fury. Well, and then also Javante Davis. Yeah, but. Javante would. Knock his head off. The only thing yeah, is, absolutely. he's, just, he's yeah. just a big dude, but he'd still lose. Yeah, Javante yeah. would. Absolutely. Would, I think those, but those are like the only two boxers he's called out. Um, the, he called out Canelo after the. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Canelo would rip his head off. Right, too. right. <laughs> uh, he. Um, the, forever. I, oh, I wouldn't say forever, but as long as we're alive, I'm going to say the Mayweather and McGregor fight will be the best boxing MMA fight 
to happen. Like you're saying, a boxer. The crossover? Yeah, yeah, the crossover. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think... Just well, from the star power and then the The star the power you can't touch. Yeah. You know? Floyd, I mean, you see Floyd, the fight alone. Yeah, Floyd gets it, too. I think in the first three rounds, he only threw nine punches. Mm-hmm. He averages over, like, 100 a round in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he. Get, I, I think in general, yes. Yes. And I think... I mean, they're basically the same person. Yeah, on different just ends of the, yeah. the way that they've done it, the, they sell money, they sell fame, they sell you know, change it, both sports. Two of the best entertainers yeah. of all time. I understand that a lot of boxing fans or purists will aim Floyd for drawing attention away from the sports world. Everybody stayed paying attention to Floyd. His pay per view numbers never went down; they went up the entire time. I think what hurt boxing is they didn't have a heavyweight champion that was drawing star power yeah. for like a decade. You don't have that. You only have this one guy, Floyd, who everybody hates, and he keeps winning. You yeah. know, of course, there's going to be frustration. But if there was other stars at the time, there just weren't. Like even Andre Ward is one of my favorite boxers of all time. He never. He's just such a simple guy, such a good guy, yeah. such a humble just guy. Chill. Yeah. He didn't draw that kind of stardom. Yeah. Well, you know, in the early 2000s, there were a lot of guys. You had De La Hoya, Roy Jones Jr. You had the heavyweights. Mm-hmm. It just kind of was a. There was no depth in boxing for a little bit. Now it's coming back. That's and, how the UFC is now. Right. And There's UFC's so many Dana White's figured it out. Boxing, you've got all these different promoters. It's dirty. It's corrupt. You can't make fights happen. There's too many hands in the pot. Um, he has a league. Now, everybody wants to get to that league, and it all runs through him. And people complain about fighter pay and stuff, and yet it's got to be fair. I mean, the top dogs are always happy. And you don't realize boxing, people aren't making money either unless you're a champion. Like, that's the way it goes in this sport. If you're not doing pay-per-view it's numbers – it's easier to make money in boxing is because you can fight more in boxing rather than yeah. UFC. Yeah. With UFC, if you get knocked out, you can't fight for at least six months. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even talking to you for at least six mm-hmm. months just because that's that's the rules. That's what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, in boxing, if you get knocked out, I'm sure you can have another fight next right. month and a half, two months. Yeah. That's why, like, their numbers are 44 and 0 and he's an amateur. You're going to be yeah. active. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so but they, you got to pay a lot of people. That's too. <laughs> So it's like if you're not the main event, I don't know how much you're making. It depends on who you are and who your promoter is. That's the thing. The gold medalist or the silver medalist that signed with top rank, like they're going to be making some dough out the gate because they're going to have sponsors and stuff like that. That's probably where they're making their money from. But if you're not a champion, you still got to pay your trainer, your sparring partners, everybody you brought in, your nutritionist, your strength conditioning guy, all that stuff at the end of the day. Say you take home $10,000 and you don't fight for three more months, you know, these guys aren't making even six mm-hmm. figures a year. You know, so it's like, it's just a, it's the hurt business. It's a brutal game. Don't seek it for the money, you know, because only a handful of them really yeah. get what you're dreaming of getting. Yeah. So. And that's why Dana always says, don't leave it to the judges. Yeah, Dana's, he's cold, bro. Cold-blooded, <laughs> cold-blooded. I mean, because, I mean, there'll be times where he'll say, like, I don't agree with the judges, but I always don't say, leave don't leave it to the judges. Yeah, simple as that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, simple if, as. If you want to win, hey, go win. Yeah. I mean, did you watch the UFC fight this past week? Oh, yeah, I did. I watched them both. Yeah, same time. I was, that card, it was the Rose such, fight was terrible. It was such a good card until that. I thought so, yeah. I mean, I guess the overall card was good, but. Yeah. I told because my dad was watching the because the Canelo fight was on when the Rose fight was on, right? Right. And so was, it ended basically when she was walking out. So that was the first fight I watched. They were on both TVs, but I was so focused on Canelo. The first fight I really watched was Rose. So that, I told my dad, I was like, I wish I was lying, but there was no action from beginning to end. None. It's unbelievable. It was, the, it was the most boring fight I've ever seen in my life. 
It was unbelievable. That was the bo- most boring UFC fight I've ever seen. And I just didn't expect it at all. It was a, it was bad. And um, I bet I was I was all right with the main event. Oliver is nasty, nasty. I hate that stupid girl, dude. Yeah, I get what you're weight. saying. I hate that. I mean, I get what you're saying. You 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 don't make weight half half of a pound, yeah. bro. Like, yeah, what? no, it's time to move up, though. I think that because that's not his first time, right? Uh, no, it's not his first time. Uh, I think it's his third time, actually. Yeah, I think he's missed um, weight quite a bit. But I mean, even then, it's like if you this should be like a, a, a if you miss it by five pounds, okay, we're stripping the title. Right, half right. a pound. Like, what what is that gonna do? I hear you. Yeah, like, 100% or give him, you know, take the extended 10% time of the purse away. Not yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Not take yeah. that belt away. Because he goes out there and he chokes him out like Dude, that. He he's him. the champion. He bullied him. You know? And then who are you, you know, he's wanting to fight like Diaz and McGregor right now. Are you going to put the belt on the line there? You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> like, not the guy who's going to fight. McGregor should fight anymore. I don't either. I don't either. You don't need for one, uh, I, need I mean, to. For two, I can see where he wants to come back, get a win or something like that. For two, he's just not. Yeah, you don't have the passion, the drive. You get the Marvin Hagler. Like it's hard yeah. to put in the road work when you're waking up in silk sheets. Yeah. It, I'm telling you, it's hard. Even the moment I started working, I didn't make millions, but I didn't feel like going and sparring. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's the truth. It's the hurt business. It sucks. Yeah. Um, even winning isn't necessarily like you just whoop someone in front of their family right. and stuff. Like there's you, you, gotta, once. you gotta turn cold in that business. Yeah, you, you start to get a taste of the finer things in life. It's hard to be cold like that. Like he he's fought like one once like every year for the past like two years, three years. Yeah. yeah. People are still calling out his name because they know they're gonna get like right. numbers. Get they get that money. That person be nice. Change forever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go take care of your kids. Do your business. That's why I applaud that. Canelo and Floyd, like for being so disciplined. When you have all the money, the Jets, Floyd had like three Jets. Uh, Canelo's stupid, stupid money. He has a lot of stuff like it. Um, you know, married, all this stuff. Like how you stay focused, disciplined, and hungry. Because I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't. I think Floyd owes the money. That's like Tom Brady. I mean, that's, I mean, that's yeah. like a, the, yeah. the money team. Like he's yeah. always dreaming yeah. about money, money, yeah. money, money, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Sometimes it, might need uh, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Uh, yeah. But um, – yeah, I think that's how Floyd. Floyd yeah, said. I mean, yeah, even though she's like Tom Brady. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> like nothing else to prove. Coming back out of retirement because you didn't like how the way you lost when you have seven rings. That mm-hmm. don't even make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they that game was crazy too. But um, do you have anything else left for us? No, man, I talk too much. No, I saw good. It's a great combo. Great combo. Great combo. We'll come back for, anytime. Yeah, of course, yeah, of definitely, course. definitely. We'll have some come stuff for the work. season. Do you have any right. predictions on our teams? No, no. I mean, the Cowboys should win the division. They should. Eagles are looking kind of yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. But Jalen Hurts nice. is still their quarterback. Uh, I think that's where. Here's what I'll say. That's what I would take a shot at you or Jalen. Here's what I'll say. We have a 167 million dollar quarterback or whatever it is. The other quarterbacks are all on rookie deals. You got Daniel Jones. You got who's Washington even going to start? Just dra- who knows? You yeah, know, they drafted well, the Sam Howell. Sam Howell. For me, it's hard with Daniel Jones because, for one, his rookie season, like the coach was. Well, they might horrible. have the worst roster in football this that, year. That and then Jason Garrett was his offensive coordinator after right. his rookie season, so right. it's like it does kind of suck for him. Like I feel for him. I get like I, I like I see why he's not done what he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's yeah. never had the opportunity. Then Saquon's always hurt. Yes, so yeah. he has no back or anything. So. I just, yeah. I think with us, the Giants might be the worst team in football, so eliminate them. Washington should not compete with us for the division. And then you got Philly. 
Philly's the most talented team out of all of those, and yet you look at our roster versus their roster right now, they had a phenomenal draft. I think a year from now and stuff, things might be different. I just think that the money we have in a quarterback, we have a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. Our offense line's not what it was, but we're adding some pieces to it again. Our defense is better than it's been in maybe a decade plus. We should go win that division. If not – Should is the key word. If not, blow everything up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, Dak did lose to the Eagles when they uh, had no receivers, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. But I like the direction of Sark. I like the direction of the long points. Hell of a recruiter, hell of a staff. We need stability. Stability. Um, let it ride. This year, we could win six games. We could win ten games. I don't know. It depends on the offensive line. Can they hold up? I'm not necessarily scared in the Big 12 about them holding up because we got – we had seven – Offensive line commitments, six of the top seven players on their board um, as far as the offensive line structure in the state of Texas. So, obviously, they're moving in the right direction on the line of scrimmage. But if it's just atrocious, you can't win. So, I think that's what it'll come down to. Skill player-wise, Bijan, Xavier Worthy, uh, Nair, Jordan Whittington. You got Troy O'Mary coming back. Jordan, Jordan Addison might come over. Jordan Whittington got a, you know. A, He's got to stay on the yeah. field, drink his whole milk. But <laughs> fragile. Wait a minute, glass. But fucking fragile. From a skill set outside of Oklahoma, you know, which is the same thing every single year, we should be able to beat everybody in the Big 12. But we'll see. I wasn't big on the Sarkar. Quinn Ewers can spin that thing. That defense, too, is yeah. still bad. Yeah. But yeah, I wasn't big on the Sarkar. But yeah, I like we'll him. He's a cool guy. We'll He's see. A, I mean, offensive mastermind. That's it. Yeah. Head yeah, coach. Like, mm. See what, they're gonna do. Let's see what Gary Patterson turns into. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, be inter- that that'll be out. interesting duo. It's gonna be watching. Interesting yeah. to see how that plays out a year from yeah, now. Yeah, he's gonna be he's head coaching. <laughs> <away. laughs> <laughs> he's got him on standby. Yeah, 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 he's got yeah, him yeah. on standby. That's what they brought him for. Hey, yeah. you're the next <sighs> one up. We got yeah. you. We got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thank you again for pulling up yeah, on us, doing it. the pod, and uh, yeah, just it was great hearing everything, chopping it up. We'll we'll be we'll be connecting more. You know, football season just because. You're like him. You're realistic. I don't really talk talk shit to Texas fans unless right. they talk crazy to me. Right, then right. then I gotta start pulling out the receipts. But right, right. before that, I'll, I'll, you know, if you're if you're like realistic with me, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll chop it up. If you're because I mean, hey, it's the sport. You know, like yeah. you just gotta enjoy it. But yeah. yeah, thank you for pulling up on us. I and, appreciate uh, it. It was Love fun, it. bro. It was really good. It's good to see you like get vulnerable and stuff too. 100%. Like de- definitely like good. And I think what you said will definitely for someone who listens. It'll definitely hit them in the right direction and get them kind of steered. One hundred percent. It's all love, always. Yeah. But now to do it for your boys over here at Opinionated, and we'll catch y'all guys next time. Peace. Peace.